Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. This is Kevin Pro with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Rick Gerard. Rick, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Hey, uh, Kevin, great to meet you, and uh, thanks for having me on as guest. So I ask uh, every guest the same question. I think it's a unique way to kind of start a podcast, and instead of just saying, just tell me your bio, how about if you and I met at a networking event, and you stick your hand out to shake my hand, how would you introduce yourself to me? I would say, hey, my name is Rick Gerard. I help startups and startup founders hire the strongest people every time. And this is got a system going or is this just intuitive? No, no, I have a system going for <laughs> sure because systems work and uh, intuitiveness is a crapshoot pretty much. So so let's, let's take a step back. Let's walk back a little yeah. bit in the journey here. So you didn't wake up yesterday and just say, you know what, I think I can help people with, with a system to, to hire well here. So what was the journey that kind of led you to this? And, and what is the company that you've started? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been in executive recruiting for a very long time. I started out as a um, headhunter working with tech companies, placing software engineers in the Silicon Valley, which is a highly, crazily competitive market. Mm. And I, I kind of transitioned my career about 10 years ago into doing retained executive search. And, you know, one of my first searches, what I, what I, what I learned was when I was doing retained search was that I, I had an experience where I sent a person in for an interview. It was a high level job. It was, it was you know, it was, uh, it was a big fee for me. And what was interesting is when I debriefed the CEO after the interview, I said, how'd the interview go? And he went, it's great. We want to hire the guy. And I'm like, oh, great. Why? Talk to me. Like, tell me what happened. He goes, oh, well, we talked for about 45 minutes about the Oakland A's. <laughs> it's my favorite team. It was his favorite team. We both like the same player. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is, was this a date or are you actually like. He just watched Moneyball on TV the night before or something. <laughs> exactly. They talked about the game for 45 minutes. And I said, you, you realize you're hiring somebody who's a VP and you just talked about for 45 minutes about, I, 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 I can't let you like hire this person. You need to meet with them again and actually run through a process. And he's like, nope, we're going to hire him. We're, we're good. Everybody liked him. And I realized at that point that startup founders and startups, like they, they don't have a clue how to interview people mm. or evaluate people. It's, and I, I kind of knew this prior, but it was kind of interesting. That was the, when the light bulb went off that, Hey, look at, I've got to fix this because quite frankly, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well on me. If you hire somebody and it doesn't work out, it always gets blamed on the recruiter. Right. Yep. You know, it's always the recruiter's fault. He didn't vet him properly, you know, whatever else. So for whatever reason, I just took it upon myself that, okay, well, you know what, for now on every search that I like I do, I'm going to bring a, I'm going to bring a process into place 
so that at least people have a roadmap by which they can actually interview people and gather data. And that evolved into, okay, well, we got data, but now how do we get out of it? Evidence, mm. which is more important. That's the more important evidence. Yeah. I mean, the more important uh, data, right? Right. And so, yeah, it took me a while. You know, I start, we, I did a lot of trial and error and tried to figure out like, what's the most effective way in which we can run somebody through a process. And you can, with a high degree of certainty, be able to walk out of an interview going, yes, that's our person and here's why. That so was the other that... thing is, I was gonna Wait. say, that's the other thing. Like when I would ask why people wanted to hire people, they never knew why. Oh, it seems like a nice guy. Let's just try him out. You know, not yeah. No, no evidence to to the to support the decision. It was just I. I there's a gut feeling or something like that. Like said, I yeah, liked exactly. Him, you know? exactly. So I'm curious. Did you start? Were you on your own at this time, or were you still working like within a staffing agency? You know, when you had this idea to kind of put these things together. Yeah, I had this really cool, crazy journey. So, like, I I actually um I started in recruiting. I moved to Idaho like for a job and, and I actually ended up, I moved up there to snowboard, but got a career essentially. And then I came back down to California with the CEO of the company and we started up a, a recruiting firm, did really well pre, this was all like kind of pre 9-11-ish. Mm -hmm. And I ended up exiting like right before 9-11 or, or right after 9-11 and moving to Hawaii. And so I did... I did my like reverse vacation. I kind of semi retired slash had a business and, um, and I've been on my own ever since I moved to Hawaii, I started up the recruiting firm. And then, you know, as it evolved, I moved back to California about eight years ago now. And so as it kind of evolved, I've just been, I've been on that trajectory, you know, and I'm always, uh, I I've always been entrepreneurial and, and, you know, I always tell everybody I'm totally unhirable. Like most of my guests would are want me working for them. That's right. Most of my guests are are definitely that for sure. Tell yeah. me the the company itself is is it the process that's named Intertrue or the company that's named Intertrue or both? Yeah. So the process is called Hire OS. It's what we've been running through my search firm, which is Stride Search. Intertrue, we just launched last year, is the software platform. Okay. So it's an it's a method driven AI led um, interviewing platform that runs the interview with the human. So what it does is it ensures that the human's asking the right questions and gathering evidence to support a decision. And really, the goal is eliminating assumptions, bias, mm -hmm. and personal motives from the interview process. And we're highly successful in doing that right now, which is super wow. cool. And does it also build in things like? Uh, you can't ask this in an interview because this is a this is a violation of of employment law here. Does it? Or because I I can imagine it's like it's the applicant's resume, it's the job description you know that you're looking for kind of combined, and then is there something also overlaid about the legality of of the the process? Actually, we so we take the whole interview process that's common and we just throw it out because. You know, look at if you leave people up to their own devices, they're just going to have conversations about mm -hmm. things which they think are innocent, which get them into trouble. Yeah. So we have the whole interview process completely mapped out. Here's your questions. Here's the sub questions under these questions so you can gather more evidence to support that question. And that's your lane. That's what you get to do. And it makes it very, it makes it challenging, but it also makes it very streamlined. Mm -hmm. Nobody goes outside the box 
and you don't really have to, you know, you, you don't really have to coach them on things that they they don't have that they can't do because again, it's already mapped out for them. That also kind of levels the playing field of of hiring managers. You know, that yeah. that says, you know what, it, whether you're really good at, at it or you're not very good at it or you're new or whatever. I mean. I would think that would be a, an incredibly valuable tool, you know, for a company to use. Oh, it totally is. You know, like, again, if you're a new hiring manager or you're a new entrepreneur, one of the, one of the big mistakes that I used to always be brought into is we hired a co-founder, co-founder is not working out. Can you help us like replace that co-founder secretly? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we avoid that whole issue in the first place? And why don't we run a really strong process to make sure that we're positioned properly. Like we're in the same lane, we're heading down the same avenue. Right. You know, the other thing that I used to see a lot was, especially in tech companies, oh, we, we're gonna hire this guy or this woman out of Facebook or Google or one of those name brand companies. And you're like, I hope that works out for you. But in most cases, that person is not positioned properly for your company. Mm -hmm. You know, most, yep. most people who work in large organizations struggle in startups and it ends up being it ends up being a complete waste of time but also you know it's more of a vanity hire you want to be able to as, as a ceo say yeah we were able to attract somebody who's out of you know xyz company right and then you're surprised that it didn't work out because you know they they supposedly did well at xyz company so of course they're going to crush it at your company so that's, I've that's, seen that that's a same good assumption. story yeah. over and over again for such a long time. I uh, unpack it just a tiny bit more. So the the if you're if you're hiring some if you've got a small startup, you got eight or ten people that are working eighty hours a week, you know, sleeping on the floor, you know, eating yeah. ramen versus somebody that's used to, hey, I'm clocking in for thirty seven hours a week, and I I don't work thirty eight. I, you know, I take off Friday afternoon and I log out and. You know, I'm used to a very structured environment. You know, it's the rules of the rules. We do get free stuff to eat on break. But other than that, it's it's a pretty consistent, you know, corporate environment that they are, they're yeah. coming from. So what do you see transitionally is the most difficult for, you know, employers or employees, I guess, to go from that, you know, corporate environment to like the startup side? Well, I, I think it comes down to what the person desires. You know, mm. do they... You know, there's a lot of people that go into large companies that are completely mispositioned, like they yeah. don't do well in, in large companies. And they're there because, you know, they probably have to pay off student loans or, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they're there purely financially and they probably hate it there. Right. I kind of broke it down into like three. Like, I, I believe there's like kind of we're all wired in a different way, like from a DNA perspective. I think there's builders. I think there's improvers. And I think there's maintainers. Mm -hmm. And you know, builders are the people that you need at startups. And those people use that as a language. They're like, I really want to build something from scratch. I want to be part of something I can make an impact rather than just kind of taking orders. Improvers are the people that you bring in kind of afterwards that are really close to that. But their idea, their, their thing is you got something good, I can make it better, you know, and they really thrive in that. And then you have all the rest. And most of, unfortunately, like what comes out of corporate America are maintainers. They're there to keep the engine running and then essentially like collect their paycheck and and go. As a startup founder, you you can't have any of those people in your organization, you know, for a while. Right. For a while. Yeah. That's, and, I, and unfortunately we get trapped with them. I love the the way you've kind of 
kind of uh, kind of walk through the kind of the, the whole DNA analysis of the different you know types of, of personalities that you could hire. And yeah. we're going to take a quick ad break right now, but we're going to come back and we're going to unpack the. Uh, it wasn't even a plant question because he came up with it on his own. I didn't even tell him we're going to talk about this, but we're going to we're going to dive a little deeper in the DNA of an entrepreneur right after this break. Have you been wanting to start a podcast but not sure where to start? Well, now you can start a podcast in less than 24 hours. I'm David Ezel, and I'll walk you through all of the things that you need to get started today. Things like how to choose the right microphone, how to edit your audio, and how to find guests and build a pipeline of future guests. This course does a great job of keeping things high level while also diving into the things that keep most people from starting. Even better, if you use the code RISING at checkout, you'll get 20% off your purchase. But that's only if you use the code RISING at checkout. What are you waiting for? Start your podcast today. We are back. And Rick, thanks again for uh, for joining us on Rising Tide. I loved what you said just before the break. Of, you're talking about, you know, kind of three personality types that you could hire. But I have this question that I love to ask, um, you know, and you, you mentioned off, off camera, you said, hey, you know, I am the definition of a serial entrepreneur here. So I, I'm going to really enjoy your <laughs> answer on this one. But I, I have a theory that there really are two types of founders. And there's a little similar to how you just described. So you've got the the people that can create things. They're very creative. They love to start things, but they're terrible at maintaining it. And then you've got the people that they could run anything and they they both could call themselves startup founders. But yeah. talk about those two types. And then I've got kind of a sub subcategory that I want to talk about after that. Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm I'm attraction or EOS like fanboy, right? So, <laughs> you know, the visionary, which is this guy right here. Yeah. He, you know, I, I'm the person who I can get things to run in. I I and and I know how to keep it running, but yeah, day-to-day -day operations and the minutiae of like the details, I, I'm terrible at. And so um I you know, I believe you're right, because I know I know. I know a lot of entrepreneurs or CEOs that are really good at like running the business from mm -hmm. a day-to-day -day perspective. I think EOS calls them integrators, right? Is it integrators? Impl yeah, yeah I, integrators. Versus so, like, innovators. You know, yeah. yeah, in the in the EOS infrastructure, it's a visionary and the integrator, mm -hmm. like you know, your CEO, COO, essentially, yep. right? So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm. And, and it's funny, I feel like most entrepreneurs are probably more like me, more on the visionary side. Mm -hmm. And the trick is actually finding an operational person who can say, okay, well, I can take that right? and we can build it and we can make it better and continually make it better. Um, I, I think the CEO too, the role kind of morphs over time, I believe as well. The, the CEO role of, of early stage startup is completely different than the CEO role of a company that's been you know, established and is kind of maintaining or, or just growing slowly year after year after year, almost yeah. it's more in maintenance mode. But you you mentioned earlier, you talked about, you know, I, I am a serial entrepreneur. I'm curious, and I also have a theory about this, about do you think entrepreneurs are born or do you think they are kind of grown out of necessity? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I think I was probably born to be one. But I think that there are people that kind of, well, I I guess I, I might be confusing like entrepreneurs with like solopreneurs or like as 
Mark Cuban puts it, entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, exactly. Yeah, I I think, you know, I I think I was probably born to be this way, or maybe maybe it's a learned behavior though too, because I have a father who who was I don't I don't know if he, he was a solopreneur mm-hmm. for a lot of years. I mean, mm-hmm. he ran his own. He ran, my dad was a pool man when we were growing up, and he he had a pool route in Beverly Hills doing celebrities' houses mm. and. It was kind of fun. I remember going and like he'd pay me ten dollars to clean a filter and stuff like that. And then he went into the car business and became a used car salesman of all things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think it was just being around that. And I remember at an early age, I mean, I would mow my neighbor's lawns and I would do things to make money because I wanted to be able to make money. You know? Uh, certainly. And that's in your why DNA. I got into recruiting. It was because I I knew people and they were like they were driving around in brand new BMWs and buying houses. And I was like, I need to, I need to get into this. I think that, that you mentioned it earlier and, and kind of affirmed or you know, confirmed my, my theory here that you said, you know, I'm, I'm really not employable anymore. You know, yeah. I, I am certainly unemployable. And I think that really is kind of the genetic side. I think there are people that out of necessity become business owners or run businesses but I think yeah. entrepreneur is kind of a special category that uh, the creative side of things that says, you know, I'm an idea person. I'm I, like you mentioned, visionary. It is interesting to see, you know, the different guests I've had on here. They're at different stages, you know, of leading companies. And, and you know, some of them are certainly like you and probably like me too. I mean, you know, pretty unemployable. We, we like to the, have the freedom of being, you know, kind of driving our own ship here. But um, I'm I, proud of that too. I, I like being unemployable. I don't know about it you. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, it is. And, and the idea is that, you know, you kind of control this, your own destiny, you know, yep. business destiny type thing and says that, Hey, it's going to r- rise and fall on, on me getting up every morning and getting after this type thing. So yeah. um, I'm curious if, if this all crashed today and you woke up tomorrow and it was all gone, what would you do to make a living starting tomorrow? I, you know what? I don't know. I do it all over again. I just, I would find something that I need to do. Like, I, I feel like, uh, so with the software company, it all crashed day. I've always got a fallback in, in going into search. I mean, I've got a mm-hmm. pretty good reputation. I'm really good at that, but you know what? It's funny. I don't even think that way. Like I, if it all fails, I like in my mind, it can't fail because I won't let it fail. That's the, right. that's the way it's No, I'm saying, let, let's say it was taken away for some reason. Like it, that didn't exist anymore. What huh. what would you do tomorrow? And I think you kind of answered it a little bit saying, you know, I don't know, I'll figure it out. I mean, what what's the need out there that I can that I can fill that thing? Yeah, yeah. I might, I might be depressed and go sit on the beach for a, a few Go know, to Hawaii and reti- like semi-retire yeah, I might again. go back to Hawaii and just kind of lose myself for a few days. Got to um, sell the Beamer before you go. <laughs> yeah, luckily I'm not a Beamer fan, but yeah. Got to got to sell those cars in your garage before you go. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I love uh I just love your the energy that you you know, when I ask you questions especially around this whole entrepreneurial I, I entrepreneurial idea that you your eyes kind of light up. You're like, "You know what? That that's fun to me. That's me I can sit around and talk about business ideas. We can generate like a whiteboard. We can brainstorm you know you probably love to even talk to people that have ideas you know to help them kind of formulate what the next steps are do you find yourself kind of in that pseudo ad hoc mentor role from time to time you know right now i've been heads down like right now i 
feel like I'm in that place. I forget who said this, but like, you know, with a startup, you, I don't know if it was Peter Thiel or, or Ben Horowitz or something like that, but there was a, there was a quote I remember reading, like as a startup founder, you, you should only feel two feelings, terror and excitement. <laughs> and that's what I've been experiencing. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of in a totally different realm than what I'm, I've been doing, but it's fun at the same time. Like, I, I, the terror is exciting for me, even though my 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 ability to meditate and my stress levels are through the roof. It's still, you know, it's still a lot of fun. Like, and I just light up and I have fun with. Um, I do talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs. I'm part of EO, mm -hmm. and so I'm actually in their accelerator program right now. So it's kind of fun because I'm around other people that are trying to build similar businesses. So I do have that peer group and I help out where I can because a lot of people are hiring and, you know, making mistakes. And so I, I'm just kind of doing my experience share to help them to avoid those mistakes right. so that they can get the right people on the bus. That's really what it's all about. Well, I, you know, whether whether you have that time carved in your schedule or not, I have a feeling that you will simply attract people, you know, that that are going to see what you're doing and want to ask questions and kind of, hey, can we have a cup of coffee? Can we, can we take a few minutes? Can I ask you a question type thing? And uh, I do I get quite a bit imagine of that. You'll actually. do that. Yes, <laughs> certainly. We'll take yeah. that time. Speak yeah, to. Uh, I, I, I had to start saying no to that, by the way, no, about no. nine months ago, because, you know, I. I'm always out there and I'm always kind of attending events and, you know, you get hit up a lot. And mm -hmm. I actually hit up people quite a bit too saying, Hey, can you, can you help me out? Um, right. I, I kind of, you know, I, I just don't have enough time in the day. Yeah. And it's within reason. Certainly you have yeah. to, you have to work that out. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, once I get, once the terror subsides a bit more, <laughs> <laughs> then I should be able to like, sure, exactly. I'll go grab coffee with That's you. Right. Even I drink coffee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't need that. I have some natural, natural caffeine built in. So if exactly. you're, uh, you're speaking to our, to our audience right now, they're, they're a little further behind you on the journey. Give us one or two, just think are really salient points that you've, you've learned over the years that you think would be very helpful for, you know, somebody that's just getting started at, and trying to lead, trying to build something and, you know, that might be a, a generic advice that you think would be really helpful. So that kind of reminds me, it brings me back to a quote from Benjamin Franklin, which is, if you fail to plan, plan to fail. Mm. I believe that, you know, the way that most startups function is like, we have an idea, let's just go execute it. But you don't spend the time or invest the time to really plan it out and think about it. I mean, your plan's going to change. You're going to pivot. All kinds of things are going to happen. But the thing is that you really have to have something that's going to hold you accountable mm. that yeah, will help right. you to execute. And as we all know, like execution, like I, I fail in execution all the time, but it's like getting back up and trying to execute differently, right? Especially if you're going to do a business with people. Mm -hmm. If you need other people in your business for whatever reason, then you should really, really sit down and map out a org chart to understand what you want and how you're going to build the organization. You don't have to put timeframes, but you need to have at least a really good idea of what that is. And then, you know, start being proactive about meeting those people that you're going to want to bring into your business when the timing's right. Right. 
And uh, nothing attracts like high caliber talent or high performers than structure, than people like you having stuff together and being able to essentially say, look at, we're not a fly-by-night company. We're taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. we, we have an interview structure. Here's our process. And then running the process on everybody, regardless of where they come from, and 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 making sure that you adhere to what that process is. And, you know, it might be, it is painful to walk away from people, mm -hmm. but the worst thing you can do is fall in love with somebody and hire them. And they have a totally dis different expectation of, of what they're thinking that they're getting out of it than you do. And then they fail miserably. And then you just wasted all kinds of time, all kinds of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it could have been the, and, and sometimes it's the demise of the organization. Mm. I mean, letting somebody's people go really is never good. You, yeah. yeah, somebody's got to really be able to convey to you why they want to work with you. Not it's, and it should never be about the money, mm -hmm. especially when you're in a startup. Yeah, you know, it should be more something like, "Hey, look at I love the problem you're solving. It's dear to me. Here's why." You know, there's got to be some sort of emotional connection to what you're trying to accomplish, and they should be selling you on why why they should join. Yeah. If we can execute together and the money will come, you know, that the whole idea. So I, I curious, I want to kind of circle back on the, your, your very first, or the, I guess point one B, but you said, yeah. you know, execution is, is, you know, absolutely vital. How do, how do you, what is the internal motivation that helps you execute or what's, what's your personal <laughs> plan that you put in place that says I am going to execute other than just the fact that you're just driven, you know? I fail in execution all the time. So like, here's the thing. You just got to keep picking yourself back up, dusting yourself off and going. I mean, the habit that I've created is that when I roll in my office and I start at my computer, the first thing that I do is I have a phone call planned out. I am making a call. It's got a purpose. And here's what I'm going after. Mm, what a great idea. Um, no matter how good or bad it is, it at least gets that out of the way for the day. So nothing can get better or worse. <laughs> Actually, nothing can get worse than that if it's a bad one, right? So at least I'm getting the, I'm getting the rejection out of the way. And, you know, right now we're doing a fundraise and right now we're doing, you know, quite a, you know, we're, we're selling our product. And so um, what we're selling is, is hard. It's difficult. It's like, mm -hmm. it's different than what most people expect. So the problem that we're solving is very real, but the way in which we're going about it is very, very counterintuitive to the way most of us think about hiring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, really a learning it's, curve. it's not an easy, it's not an easy sell. Well, it's, and it, that is kind of the, the double difficulty of what you're trying to do is the fact that, you know, selling is hard enough when people understand the product and they already see the need. You've got to educate, yeah. you know, for beforehand and then, you know, sell the idea. So, yeah, and I love the I love the process. I love the journey that you've gone on. And as, as we're wrapping up today, what is what is one thing that I just haven't asked you about? You'd kind of like to just to touch on really quickly here at the end and then also just tell people where the best place to connect with you. Yeah. The one thing you didn't ask me, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like to talk about myself that much. I always like, I'm a really good listener. So I like to, I like to do what you're doing. That's like, that's why I have a podcast as well. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, I think the, the one thing that kind of sets me off is that, you know, this journey for me now is more about helping other entrepreneurs to succeed. And that's what, that's, that's 
kind of why we built a platform because I don't scale and I'm pretty expensive when you try to hire me. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind it is that, you know, if you are a person who's like, hey, look at, I have no idea how to hire. I mean, the way in which you get really good at hiring is get really good at interviewing. Yeah. And if you want to get really good at interviewing, come to me. Mm -hmm. I'll help you out. So the best way to um, best way to reach me, you know, I'm pretty approachable. You can find me on LinkedIn. Also, I have a podcast as well, not to steal no, your please do. or anything, but it's, please called, do. it's called Higher Power Radio. It's not a religious show. It's about look hiring. At, look it's, on YouTube. Look guess. at his t-shirt on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. My t-shirt gives it away. And, you know, the, the goal of the show is actually it's aimed for entrepreneurs and the idea is that we want to help them give them data on how they could deal with difficult hiring issues. There's nothing more frustrating as a CEO, at least for me, than having your sights set on somebody who like, oh my, I know this person's going to crush it for my company. Like, and then you lose them, mm -hmm. you know, and then you have to go yep. for number two or number three, because, right. you know, you feel like you have to take the leftovers. And, you know, the truth is you don't have to lose those people. You just have to, you, you have to change your approach to where they see more value in joining your company than, than the competitor. I love that. What a that's going to be a quote on a card that we're going to share on social. That, that very last statement you I just made, and so we'll we'll I'll send that quote. to you. And you it. can you can send it out for sure. You can share it in your social media. But uh, Rick, man, I'll, thanks I'll again. Put it on my Christmas card. There you go. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Rick, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on today. And uh, so we're heading into a long weekend and just taking time today and just sharing your insights and your story. And really just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Rick, have a great weekend. Thanks, you too, Kevin. Bye-bye. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.